Hi guys, welcome to the first episode of Light Podcast. I'm super excited and uh, quite nervy. You know, it's the beginning of a long journey all through the scriptures, and I'm excited because I know how much this would impact people impact myself a lot to learn a lot to share and a lot to see you know all afresh again from the word of god but a bit nervy because uh, as much as you know everyone thinks i'm the public speaker kind of person uh, i really prefer to just be in my own shell and just keep quiet and just be in the corner of my room However, it's our year of influence, so we have to, yes, of course, do a lot of influencing and coming out of our shells this year. So to those who are part of the church, your pastors come out of the shell, it's time for you to come out of your shell as well and do great things in this year, 2021. Alright, so... Super excited because we're starting from the book of Genesis chapter 1. Today, I would be the only one hosting the podcast. It's quite sad. Yeah, but that was the plan anyways. Next week, I'm going to be anchoring with someone. Next two weeks, someone else and on and on. It's going to be an exciting ride from then. So, please manage my boredom. But learn one or two lessons and... You will be fine, last, last. <laughs> okay, so thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for an amazing opportunity to share your word. Thank you because our eyes are being enlightened. Your light is shining upon us, upon our hearts, and we are learning again and again in Jesus' name. As I communicate some of these things that I've learned, Lord, even you would communicate better in the hearts of the listeners in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right. So um, we're starting our Bible reading in the month and the year 2021, starting from Genesis chapter one. Uh, we're using the chronological Bible plan, and why I like the chronological Bible plan is, like the name goes, it is chronological. It is. It tells of the history of the Bible per event, and not just per. Um, the way the words were put together or, or text or every or anything like that it's just by event like we would see for those of us that have done our week one reading that in the midst of genesis was also job so it means that while the old noah and abraham and all those people's story was happening there was a story with job happening elsewhere and one of the first things <clears throat> one of the first things that that teaches us is that um, there were a lot of great people that the Bible perhaps did not tell us about, you know, perhaps because they were not part of the lineage of Jesus or the story um, wasn't something that God just wanted to share with us. But God shared these ones with us, and it's very important that we took note of them as we did. But I just wanted to mention that the entire Bible is not the entire people that ever lived; it's just the entire people that mattered to us, or that matters to us, and that mattered. Uh, um, to God basically um, in the story that he wanted to take us through all through the scriptures yeah now Genesis chapter 1 is kind of like my favorite kind of verse chapter all through um, the first week of reading because as much as it is 
well known we've read it again and again it just has a way of bringing a, a new revelation at all points in times and that was you know interesting to me Gen- reading genesis chapter one two three again it's the creation story it's i mean i would have just flipped through the pages and just said ah, i've read this before yeah i know this story i can say it's of heart and all that but there's just a way that it just has it just comes up with a new revelation all the time and that is amazing really amazing if i get a new revelation from job or lamentations i wouldn't be that surprised because uh job lamentation not those books eh (laughs) but if i get a revelation from genesis i've read genesis so much so much especially the stories that are popular the Christian stories, Abraham's story, Noah's story, those stories that we can say of heart, we can share them without even reading our Bibles. Getting a fresh revelation from them every single time is just what makes this, the Bible an amazing, amazing, amazing book. Cannot be compared to any book in the world, I tell you. No book, no book anywhere. Alright, so I'm just going to be sharing with you some of the things that I learned, I found, answer some questions. It's just what I learned. I'm not reading the Bible for, for you. I'm just sharing some of the things that I learned. So, um, we start from Genesis chapter 1. I, mean, I wouldn't take them chapter by chapter um, because of time. But some chapters really took my time. And so, I might, have to, I might have much to say in some chapters. I don't have to say in other chapters. And let me quickly say this. I kind of feel like I'm preaching already. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted it to sound like a podcast podcast kind of podcast way manage my preaching hopefully when we have other speakers um, other hosts rather um, join in the podcast they will bring in their podcast flavor me I only know how to preach (laughs) alright so I was saying that sometimes you read certain chapters and you don't get any revelation I don't think you should make a fuss about it just move on and bless god for the knowledge that you had within those chapters that happened to me and i'm sure that happened to some persons and i just needed to say that sometimes you read some chapters and it's just a story and then you move on you're just like reading genesis um is it is that nine or genesis eight or something that tells about the descendant blah 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 the stories and all the names and all that thing if you get the revelation from there it'd be both so you know twally for you you know <laughs> but genesis chapter one was was really striking for me because even from the very first verse i began to ask a question so the very first verse says that in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and I know very much well that it is impossible to create a thing in a thing. That is, you cannot build a house while living in the house. Like, you have to be out of the house to build a house. More like God could not have created the heavens and the earth, being in the heavens and the earth. So, first point note, God wasn't in heaven when he created heaven. So that means the place else that God possibly could have been which was in heaven hmm where was God 
Where was God when he created the heavens and the earth? Because obviously it was in existence before the creation of the heaven and the earth. This is how I ask some questions sometimes, just asking myself, where was God? Where was he? Definitely it wasn't in the heavens and the earth. That that is taken for granted that God wasn't in the heavens and the earth. So where was he? Well I'm waiting for an answer too. I'm waiting for this. That's where you have an answer. You can share it with me. I'll be so glad to learn because there isn't any verse so far from the scriptures that we've read and from the scriptures that I know that explains where God was before the creation of the heavens. Not the heaven, heavens. So all the heavens in its totality and the earth. Okay, so that that was one of the first questions that I began to ask myself. Which me and and that's what what that revealed to me was that. God was in existence before the creation of the heaven and the earth and which means that the heavens and the earth were not created for the use of God I don't know if that makes some sense but God didn't create the heaven and the earth because he needed a place to stay to stay it's not like he was evicted from his home or <laughs> or he couldn't pay elsewhere <laughs> but he was creating it because there was a picture at the end of the day. I feel like right from Genesis chapter 1, the essence of Genesis chapter 1 was Genesis chapter 1, um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 was Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, um, 26. I feel like the whole essence of the creation of the heavens and the earth was man himself. You know, I, I just know reading from everything that God did from chap- from verse one down to verse twenty five, it was evident that there was one picture that God had already in mind. And because of that picture, God created the heaven the heavens and the earth because of man. And not because God needed the heavens and the earth. So you need to wonder that after we are dead and the new uh, um uh, there will be a new heaven There will be a new Jerusalem So like It is for us That's where God wants us to be And you know, It's just amazing that God created the whole earth The whole of heavens Because of me Like because of man And um, when, when, you, when you continue to read further You begin to see a whole lot more Revelations from Genesis chapter 1 I can say that's uh, like my favorite chapter of the Bible right now. Yeah. Until we see another one. They are favorite chapters, but for this year's reading, so far, Genesis chapter 1. And in case you, you're wondering what I'm so excited about, you might want to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and read again and see some of these things after I've shared them. Don't just listen to this podcast and close it. No, go back and listen to some of these things again. Now, when God completed each day's work, the Bible says that the evening and the morning were the first day, second day, third day, fourth day. <sighs> that again caught my um, observation. So, after God created everything, He created after every day. The Bible always recorded that the evening and the morning the evening and the morning now in human parlance in our structure now as humans it is night that ends the day I mean every day ends by 11.59 p.m. night ends the day but in the original structure of God the morning ends the day (laughs) so it is the evening 
and the morning so i began to i began to look at scripture and i saw that in the creation of the earth it was darkness before light darkness before light evening before morning and then this means that in god's agenda the end of a thing is when there is light this means that in our lives and the things that we go through it is never over whatever we are facing is never over whatever life that we are living is not over until light shines and until light shines it is not over the day is not over your time is not over um, nothing is over until light shines light represents revelation insights you know um, um, what's the word now guidance and so much more uh, light represents beauty radiance and so it is not over until we experience light in our lives so i don't know if we're going through a bad state right now a bad frame bad situations bad whatever dark whatever whatever is darkness it is not over until light shines regardless of your age maybe you're waiting for a husband a child and it looks like it is over it is not over until light shines in fact light shining is the evidence that it is over makes some sense i believe it will make some sense you can just play and listen and until the holy spirit breathes on you i cannot explain more than that you know and then now this struck me so much do you know that in genesis chapter one god i feel like time is running so fast that i might not even enter into job but because the, the plan is that the, the, the podcast shouldn't be too long but let's see how this goes so do you know that in Genesis chapter 1 in all the creation of God in Genesis chapter 1 God scheduled time first like in the schedule of things that would happen the first thing that God scheduled was time hmm. and this kind of shows that there's so much importance to time and scheduling let me explain it this way in when we're doing things we're planning our lives and we're planning okay let's say we're planning for the year most of us plan but do not schedule time into our plans or before our plans and many times we see that our plans do not work out but God shows us here that in planning in trying to achieve a result you need time to be fixed to what you're doing making sense so god knew that he wanted to create man after doing so many other things and he wanted to take it through a process of course it's not going to happen overnight god is a god of process but in order to follow process he needed time to measure process so it means that you need time to measure process so god didn't create the light um when god said let there be light god didn't create the light because there was darkness uh-uh. god created the light because he wanted to create time ah uh, making sense so god said let there be light and when god saw that it was light he now divided the light from the darkness and made sure that darkness was still existing so it wasn't that god didn't want the darkness no he wanted there to be light so that light can come and there can be a difference between day and night so after then the next thing you now see is that the evening and the morning were the first day so that was now 
the, the beginning of time. So time started in Genesis chapter 1 verse 5. That making some sense. Because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, scripture just says in the beginning, which isn't really time bound. Do you understand? I was teaching somewhere, I was teaching now in our church, our, our monthly meeting, meeting last December, November, November, and I said that um, God didn't create time for himself. God created time for man. Like, it is for us. It wasn't like he needed time. God was living out of time. Because if you read Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and John 1 1, scripture says in the beginning, in the beginning, the best definition of when they can classify when God started to work is the word called in the beginning. But now we have a time. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 5, I can now see that we have a time. You know, we have a period where there is a time. You know, that man cannot begin to say, oh, this is day one, year one, day two, year two. So time began in Genesis chapter 1 verse 5 and that was in the evening and the morning were the first day. Interesting. And also, reading through the creation, God began to show us how to plan bit by bit, you know, so, you know, we read this and we see creation story. Another person reads this, oh, reading this, I saw um, God's blueprint on how to plan for your business for your career for your life for your marriage for your relationship for anything you want to do god shows us here how to plan and one of the things that god shows us here firstly is that you need to schedule time you need to schedule time i remember when i when i wanted to launch um i'm, I'm launching a company very soon and when we're working on when i when i gathered people together to work on this company with me because i love to work with people i don't know how to work alone it's boring working alone so i gathered people to work with me and the first thing i told them was that okay guys i want us to achieve this thing in i want us to achieve this thing in um three months so i want us to launch by social time i want us to launch by the month of december you know um like that so there was a time frame for what I wanted us to do. So the first thing we did was to schedule time. Now that helps us know when we are behind schedule, right on schedule and, and all that. So if we take this into our planning, what are those things that you've planned for the year? What's the time frame achieved to them? You said, oh, this year I want to start a business. When are you starting the business? Now, apart from when are you starting the business, when are you starting preparation for the business? When are you launching? when are you making your first sales when uh, so you just have to schedule time and god shows us that apart from that god also shows us how to plan like one of the things that god showed me very strongly here is that when you're planning something big like emphasis on something big you need to plan bit by bit now some people plan and their plan is just one vague vague general stuff like that you know just general oh okay i'm going to set up a fashion industry we'll be doing this we'll be doing that that's 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 just it so that's the plan we'll get a place and that's all so there is no bit by bit plan on how things will be achieved you know there's no bit by bit plan anywhere it's just a general overview let us make money now imagine god just does it let us make money in our own image and then god just made man but that's not what god did so look at what god did he started from creating light in order for him to be able to create time and then he moved and began to separate water 
for heaven first. Do you understand? So he created light so that he can be able to create time. He needed to create time so that he can be able to give um, a process period or a time period to the work he's doing. And then he moved to separating water. I'm going to tell you something about water later. Um, the water there. And then he moved from to separating water for heaven first. And then ended the day. Look at this. In in um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 7. Okay, verse 6. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. So God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Okay, when I come back to it, I'll show you that because many of us did not see it. I did even see it also until later when I saw it in another chapter. And then verse 7 says, Thus God made a firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the heaven and the money were the second day. So God separated water for heaven. He didn't wash through the process because the next thing he did was now to go back to the water. Do you understand? And now separated water for sea. <laughs> so God first separated water for heaven one day, took him one day to do that, then separated water for sea, bit by bit, making plans for the bigger project. That's the law of vision. And then when he separated water for sea, he wasn't only just separating water for sea because he wanted animals to come from the sea, but also he separated water for sea and he said, Let dry land appear. So one of the reasons why he separated water for sea was that he wanted land to come and why he wanted land to come was that he wanted herbs and fruits and trees to come so god had a reason for doing everything one by one like that so he didn't just say oh let there be herbs oh let there be land no he, he made land and said let there be herbs now so herbs so he, he made herbs and trees and plant and everything come afterwards after light must have come and then um, sun must have come. So if you if you look very well, you see that after I created the um, what's it called the, the the herbs and the trees, there was already water. But then he now created a special kind of light called the sun, the moon, and the stars. And that's why you can now see that herbs need light and water. There was water already. And it was water that made them began to spring up. But in order for them to continue living, they needed the sun from the light. Photosynthesis began to take place. God was orderly in making all these plans and creation. And then you all know that at the end of the day, it was for a man called Adam. So that this man can have all these things in place. Alright, so let's just skip, skip, skip. Now, so we move to the creation of Adam. God created, let's create a man in our image and likeness. You know, there's a difference between image and likeness. So we need to understand that God wasn't saying the same thing. God creating Adam in his, Adam and Eve in his image and likeness means that God was creating two. He was creating someone who had because Michael means. Um, I think the word Michael means um, is it the face of God or the image of God or something? Michael. Um, that's the Archangel Angel, Angel Michael. And the name actually interprets to something that means like the image of God, something like that. But man was the first person created in both the image and the likeness of God. And that's why Satan was actually very angry and particular about man. Man was the boss in town. The only man, the only person in all of God's 
creation that's all the sons of God that was both man and that was both in the image and likeness of God. Now something struck me in Genesis chapter one verse thirty one. I'm trying to watch through in Genesis chapter one verse thirty one and I'm not sure I have an answer particularly to this. Are we enjoying this podcast? It looks like I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling bad. But don't worry. Just learn. Just learn. <laughs> just learn. We will know how to podcast and cast pod very soon. And not preach post and preach cast. Alright, so in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Oh no, Genesis chapter 1 verse 30. Oh, okay, let me start from this chapter 1 verse 29. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruits yield seed, to you it shall be for food, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food. Now, first of all, do you realize that God says that to every beast, Every bird, everything that creeps, I have given them green herb for food. So to every beast, that means every wild animal, the intention of God, or what I think was the intention of God, reading the scripture literally, is that they were actually supposed to eat vegetation and not themselves. So lion perhaps wasn't created in the beginning to eat cattles and kangaroos and all those things. The Bible says herbs, not meat. That's that's quite um, interesting because if you read verse 29 even man was not told to eat animals in the beginning and I kind of feel like why this was so was because man was in a state where I mean I don't think man ever saw blood in the garden of Eden there wasn't death at that time there wasn't death so I don't even think the animals were dying or man was having a need to kill the animals the job of man was to be a farmer like till the ground eat from the trees God said I've given you from every fruit to eat so it was fruits veggies and all that a man was that man had to eat and um, you also notice that what man was eating was from work so because if you read verse 29 Bible says that I've given you every herb that yields seed and every tree whose fruit yields seed but for the animals, he says, I'm giving green herb, green herb. But for man, he says, every herb that yield seed and whose fruits yield seed. Well, this might not be so much significance, but it just shows us that we miss out on a lot. And for me, when I, when I read this, I tried answering the question, um, so when did animals start eating animals and when did man start eating animals and all that and all those stuff. But... As much as those are not important, what, what, was, what was important to me was that I feel like we missed a whole lot living or, uh, um, you know, falling away from the Garden of Eden. I feel like, just like it will be in heaven, it's just going to be an amazing place where we'll be amazed. I mean, my pastor, Pastor Mavis, would always say that that um, everything lost its true and be, its trueness and uh, 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 its true um, worth and beauty when man fell she would always explain to us how that the apple that we see now is not the apple that was in existence in the garden of eden and it's not even the apple that was in existence after adam and eve died like things began to deteriorate the land you know the land was caused the land was caused and so 
it began to strive and I don't think that we, we, we are getting the best of what the land of course the Bible said so that the land will not produce to you its best so we are not getting the best so imagine in heaven or imagine in the new Jerusalem imagine what the land will produce to us imagine the kind of apples bananas mangoes you know herbs and fruits that the land will produce to us I mean the kind of fruits that you eat it and you are because I mean for man for God to say man is eating fruits that has seeds God is saying that the food is enough to feed you. You will not be hungry. So, <laughs> it means that at that state that man was, animals can eat food and they are satisfied. Like, it is sweet enough. Humans eat food and you've eaten breakfast. Like, imagine breakfast being food. Oh, God. I just know that I cannot permit the devil to steal me out of being in the new Jerusalem. Whatever it is going to take to remain saved and be part of the call to heaven I will do it and I'm sharing this in revelation this particular revelation not because the entire the the, the, the revelation from that verse that the animals were not eating themselves was that significant I don't know if it was for you but yeah it is um, but basically because it just reminds me that there's something we missed out on and that thing is going to come back again we're going to see the true beauty of the earth the true beauty of the new Jerusalem, the true beauty of what God planned and created, and I don't want to miss out on that. After all the suffering in this earth, buying one small apple for 70, 80 naira, 100 naira, one small apple, and then I won't see the new Jerusalem where I would, oh God, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. I just know that I'm making up my mind, that I've made up my mind, and nothing will stop me from being in the new Jerusalem. And that comes from the place of salvation and sticking with God through till the end. I trust you've been blessed. Alright, so we'll move on quickly. I can't I can't believe that this is still Genesis. Ha! I was still going to Job. <laughs> uh, okay, I know what to do. So next week I'm not going to plan I'm not going to pack too many too many revelations. Okay. So Genesis chapter two. Um we'll move into Genesis chapter two. Um <clears throat> Now Genesis. So I said I was going to say something about the waters in Genesis chapter one. Um, so I, I saw something in Genesis chapter two, verse five, and that took me back to Genesis chapter one, and that became, in, you know, it, it now made sense because when you read Genesis chapter two, verse 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 six, yeah, it says that but a mist, but a mist. Okay, let's start from verse five. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist, the sister says, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So before God began to create the firmament and all those things that God created, says scripture says that a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So even though the Bible did not tell us in Genesis chapter one that on so 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 day this is what God did, Genesis chapter two is telling us that a mist went up from the earth. And watered the office of the ground. So the waters that we are seeing in Genesis chapter one verse six that says that let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Which waters? When you read when you read Genesis chapter one verse six, you did not ask yourself that which waters, which waters, you know. But when I read Genesis chapter two verse six, ah, and also a mist from went up from the water the office. And I, wait, which which mist, which water? And I went back and also that he talked about the mist of the waters. But which waters? That's the waters in Genesis chapter 2, verse 6. You know, so, and then God now divided the water and said, okay, one is going to be water that would fall from above, which is the rain, 
and then water um, in the sea and all that, all that, all that. Um, so, 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 this is, this is interesting, this is very interesting, you know, and the Christian story and all that is very interesting for me. Um, I also began to look into God's creation of the Garden of Eden and let me just share this very quickly and then we'll move on to other things that I learned um, um, along the line. Look at some things that other people shared also. Now, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, Scripture says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put a man whom he had formed. Now, there's something, that's, there's something that I got from this I really wanted to share. First of all, know that man was not living in... Man wasn't particularly in Eden. He was living in a garden in Eden. Um, we always forget, but man was living in a garden in Eden, just like saying that man was living in Ikeja in Lagos. So God created a garden and kept it in Eden, you know, at the east of Eden, the east part of the, the city called Eden. God put a garden there. Now, why am I? Why, why am I? First of all, um, when we say Garden of Eden, um, we're talking about a pleasurable place. The Hebrew term of Garden of Eden is Ganeden or Ganeden. And that means a pleasurable place, or it can also represent like a paradise. In Ezekiel, it was actually called the Garden of God. So we can say that the Garden of Eden is the pleasurable place of God, where God is. The Garden of Eden is the pleasurable place of God, where God is. Now, um, Eden, as the Garden of Eden had the presence of God. The Garden of Eden are the glory of God. The Garden of Eden are the provision of God. But there's something that shocked me about this. Um, and I'm, I want to share this revelation with us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 10 says that from Eden, God caused water to enter. You know, it shows that... I don't want to read the verse exactly because of time. But Genesis chapter 1 verse 10 shows us that water came from Eden. You remember that Adam and Eve were not in Eden particularly. They were, not, um, they were in the city of Eden, but they were in a garden in Eden. Do you understand? So, water came from Eden, like water came from Lagos and entered the Kedja. Do you understand? And God caused the water to enter the garden. Now, the, the water entered the garden, watered the garden, and then splitted into. Is that English correct? And then split into four heads. And the four heads were the four givers Pishon, um, Avila, um, Delium, and, and the rest of and the other one. So God, so the water split it into four heads, and that reminded me of, and, and that just brought a revelation that I, I don't know. How do I explain this? Okay, let me take it. I'm, I don't know time is, but let me just forget time. Even if this podcast is fifteen minutes, you listen to it, yeah. You listen to it to the end, yeah, Shibi. You listen, right? Okay, please listen to it to the end because there's a whole lot to share, and I didn't, I didn't want it to be too long because I know people don't have a long time, you know, span to listen to things. But I just know that we need to share these things, and you know, as you're listening to these things, how it would help you is to carry your Bible and your jota and jot, right? Check the Bible again. You're learning, you're laughing, and you're enjoying yourself. So, 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 so. Alright, so let me just carefully explain what I, what I want to say. Huh? In, 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 the Garden of Eden actually represents the pleasurable place of God where God is. And the truth is that nobody has entered into the Garden of Eden until us. 
until Ezekiah, until Chiamaka, until Olanike, until um, Emeka, until Stanley, until Francis, until we believers. No one had entered into the Garden of Eden. That means no one had entered into the pleasurable place where God is until us. Because when you look at what the Garden of Eden represented, they represented the presence of God, the glory of God, the provision of God, the fruitfulness of God, and of course, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this is what we have as believers. We have access to life. We have life. You know, now we have eaten the tree of life. <laughs> we have access to life. We have provision in God. And so, it means that the believer is in the Garden of Eden right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are in the presence, the pleasurable place of God. Scripture says that sit at my right hand uh, uh, um, um, until I make the enemy of Fusu. It says that we are seated in him with Christ in heavenly places. So that means that we are with him in the presence of God. Now, that's not where I'm going to. Where I'm going to is that God caused the water from Eden. Now, Eden is not the Garden of Eden. Eden is the location where the Garden of Eden was uh, uh, um, was, was erected. Alright? So, water came from outside to water the Garden. And then when it came in contact with the, with the Garden, it splitted into four heads. And they didn't just become water. It became... Um, you know, it didn't just become water, but it became something streaming into into places that were, that became important like everywhere that that water sprung, sprung to or flowed to became important places what i'm trying to explain is from eden god will cause water to enter the garden from outside us from what we do from the occupations and the things of this earth and everything around us God will bring resources to us. And I believe that the expectation of God or the plan of God is that when those, when those resources come to us, they will spring out and be a blessing to nation. If knowledge comes to the believer, nations will be blessed. If money comes to the believer, nations will be blessed. If Whatever comes in contact with the water, doesn't, with the garden, doesn't stay in the garden. It spreads and becomes a blessing to whatever nation. And that reminds me of a particular scripture in Ezekiel, where um, Ezekiel was saying that the Lord brought him into, I think Ezekiel 42, where the Lord where was saying that the Lord brought him into the water. And then after he was saying, the water got to my ankle, the water got to my knee, became a water I could swim in. If you read the scripture after, the verses afterwards, it says that, and the water began to flow into um, um, several places. And wherever the water entered into, those places, um, those places received uh, um, uh, um, life. They received sweetness. So it means that God, the intention of God is that because if, if we stay in the Garden of Eden, and if we are people in the Garden of Eden, we have an ability to be a blessing to nations with whatever comes to us, whatever knowledge, whatever resources, money, ideas, and everything, we are to spread forth and influence our world. And glory to God, it's 2021, our year of influence. So this year, spread out, reach out to nations. When I say reach out to nations, not necessarily 
Jamaica, Europe, we would reach out to those nations, but there's a nation around you that we need to bless also. The kingdom of God is a mighty nation in itself. Alright, so um let's move quickly. Genesis chapter three, I also learned that the devil's strategy has always been the same thing. To twist the truth. To give you ninety percent truth and a little bit of falsehood. So the devil simply used um what was true but just twisted it a little you know when, when he was talking with eve now he said as god said you should not eat of any garden of the tree he said yeah of course you should, you should eat i mean you will not die god knows that if you die this is what will happen to you you become like god i feel like there's something pastor mavis always say my pastor would say that whatever you do not know that you own will be loaned to you and that's what the devil just did with eve Eve didn't know that she was created like God. She didn't know that she was like God. And that was the devil loaned to her. So he loaned, you know, the devil said, You shall be like God. And God said, Let us make man in our image and likeness. So God had created Eve like God. The devil came, knowing that she didn't know this, he loaned it to her. And because she didn't know that she owned it, she borrowed from the devil and became a debtor to the devil. And whosoever you are a debtor to is master over you. Okay. So um I'll just take a few questions that came in when we read Genesis chapter one verse three. Someone said I need more understanding of Genesis chapter one verse twenty-seven and Genesis chapter two verse seven. I can't take all the questions, but um Genesis chapter one verse twenty-seven. So God created man in his image, so in the image of God created a male and female created he them. Then Genesis chapter two verse seven, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth. Okay, so I think what I'm trying to say is that he created male and female in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and in Genesis chapter 2 he created man I, well, I, I, from my understanding of scripture of, of reading Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 what I've always believed is that um, Genesis chapter 2 is not necessarily a, a um, Genesis chapter 1 I, I, I personally believe that Genesis chapter 1 was a planning stage and Genesis chapter 2 was the action stage so in the plan of God the intention in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 the, the plan of God was to create a male and female to create that when I create man there will be a female there will be a second there will be someone so when, when Genesis chapter 2 says that um, and God said that it was not good for man to be alone God knew that already in the plan there was going to be a female but what kind of female it would be was left to man to determine and I, I, I totally believe because when you read Genesis chapter 2 scripture says that and and after God saw that it was not good for man to be alone, God now brought the beast to man and said, Oh yeah, name them. Which one is your second? Which one is your counterpart? And Adam gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the earth, and then none of them. Adam did not see anyone. It is, as scripture says, for Adam, for, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. So Adam didn't see anyone that could compare to him and then God said okay let's make another creation and let's make this one from Adam so that he can be comparable to him so in the beginning when God was creating I just read Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 Genesis chapter 1 was the ideal idea was was the idea you know Genesis chapter 1 was the idea of God Genesis chapter 2 was the 
processing of the idea just like when you want to plan you, you write your plans that okay this is what i'll do first this is what i'll do next this is what i'll do third this is what i'll do fourth and god looked at the plan and said ah this plan is good ah this one is good. ah this one is good and the chapter, chapter two it began to carry out those actions out step by step you know like that so um just after i just say he created them male and female he didn't tell you how he created them male and female then james chapter two comes and says oh this is how he created them male and female first he created the man then the man was existence for a while then he created the woman out of the man do you understand so i think that explains that um then we move to genesis chapter four somebody asked the question that can what can we can we relate what happened in genesis chapter three with genesis with first john 2 16 Yes, um, verse John 2.16 talks about the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, the pride of life, that these are not from God. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, that is what the devil used. I, I, I've taught a teaching on this before. Um, you can, one of my books, I, I think our, our teaching for 2020 will come out so that you can read these things there also. I've, I've, I've done a teaching on that before. And the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life, those three things are what the devil used to tempt Eve. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those were the same thing that he used to tempt Jesus when he went when he went to tempt Jesus, and Jesus um, succeeded. So um, yeah, we can relate the same thing to them. Um, <coughs> Genesis chapter four. One thing I learned. I'll just say one thing I learned from Genesis chapter four is that with God it is always quality over quantity. With God it is always quality over quantity. Um, Cain bought quantity, Abel bought quality, the quality of what you give God, not necessarily the quantity. When, when, when Jesus talked about the widow's might and the widow that bought all that she had, it wasn't the quantity of what she brought, it was the quality of what she brought. Every time we give to God, every time we do things for God, the quality always matters. And quality is usually measured by. I mean, you can't you can't measure quality with the same um, scenarios. If this is all I have and this is all I bring, and I bought it grumbling, it's still different from a person who this is all I have and this is all I bring and I bought it with so much joy. So yeah, two people can have all the two people can drop all the money they have and still not be the same quality. <laughs> That's the truth. But what, one thing I would say is that. Whenever you want to do God, do for God or give to God, always just ask, is this quality or is this just quantity? Empty barrel, Loman Pariwo. Is this just empty barrel? For those not in Nigeria listening, empty barrel, Loman Pariwo, like the empty barrel makes the loudest noise. Yeah, I think that's the interpretation. Genesis chapter 6, the question about the son. Okay, so yeah, when you read Genesis chapter 6, the question almost everybody has within Genesis chapter 6 is the question about the son of God and the daughters of men. Um, so Genesis chapter 6 talks about when the sons of God came to visit the daughters of men and they saw that they were pleasant and then took them for wives and all that thing. So some people say, who are the sons of God here? Um, now, uh, um, some people say it is the sons of Seth that are the Son, um, the sons of Seth are the sons of God because um, if you read Genesis chapter 4 towards the end you see that Cain are descendants so people believe that the descendants of Cain were all unbelievers and nonsense people and ungodly people and then so they were regarded as the daughters of men 
and then the sons of God were the sons of Seth. Uh, that's very wrong. I, I read that somewhere that's very wrong because there's no scripture that says particularly that all the sons of Cain were not godly men. In fact, for the scripture to even take note of their descendants, I, I think there was something about them um, uh, um, important. Even to Balkin mentioned it um, when he sinned. I mean, he sinned, he killed somebody, and he felt bad for killing somebody. So I don't think that they became, they were all, they all now became killers. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, I think one good interpretation to, to give to the sons of God here is to, to say that they are the fallen angels, um, fallen angels here, because, or maybe not fallen angels, but yeah, I think fallen angels. I wanted to say maybe not fallen angels, but angels. But if they're angels and they do that, they're already fallen angels. Um, because at first, I believe that no angel will have sexual intercourse with man and still be an angel. So, yeah, they're fallen angels. And then if you look at Job chapter 1, verse 6, Job chapter 2, verse 1, Job chapter 38, verse 7, you see angels being classified as sons of God. I believe the reason is because they were actually creations of God that had... Um, they had a, a bit of God with them. If you look at the angels, at least the ones that I know their names, there's always an L. Uh, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel. Um, Lucifer didn't have an L, but they were all creations of God with a definition of God in them. Because Lucifer means the light bringing, the light bringer, um, the light bringer. So God is the light. Lucifer was the light bringer. Lucifer held so much power. You know, when we get to Ezekiel, we'll talk about Lucifer. But, you know, there was, it was the light bringer, and all of them just had an L. So there was, a, there was a touch of God among them. So they were like sons of God. They were creations of God. God had created them. Created them. The Bible is not about the angels. The, the Bible is about the Adamic race. So not about the angelic race specific. So we don't know how they were created and all of that. But I believe that uh, if you read Job 1, 6, Job 2, 1, Job 13, verse 7, the sons of God were actually created. Uh, um, uh, um, and several other scriptures, sons of God were usually referred to as angels. So um, I believe that those were angels. But I, they were, of course, they were not angels in the right standing with God. Uh, because when you, read, um, when you read Genesis chapter 19, you begin to see that in Job's story, when when Job when the angels went to now it is very possible that angels would sleep with men or would have slept with men those days because in those days angels could come as men just appear as men I mean a lot of it happened and in Lord's story angels went to rescue Lord as men and when the people of Sodom and Gomorrah saw them they took them in and wanted to and wanted to have sex with them. I mean, they were so attractive, they were men, and the men wanted after the men, how much more the women, you know, in those days. So, I, I think that works. And then if you, look, if you read Job chapter 6, I think Job chapter 6 gives us of the possibility that um, this explanation that I just gave is what is actually, that's the Job chapter 6, Job 6, uh, that's the Job, Jude. Jude 6, yeah, Jude 6. Jude 6 says that, and the angels which kept not their first estate, that means they didn't stay where they were kept, but left their own habitation, that means they left where they were kept, their own house. He has reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Okay, so, I mean, there were angels that didn't stay where they were kept. Maybe they didn't stay in their own habitation. 
they left wherever they were living, maybe in hell or heaven, the shy angels, wherever they were living, they left there and um, those things that they have been reserved unto everlasting. Uh, the Genesis chapter 9, we see how God told Noah that he would go on. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 9 now, we now see that God now told Noah that they can now eat animals, but they should not eat them alive. So this was the first time that God now permitted the eating of animals. And um, I, I don't know why, I don't know why, in Genesis chapter 2, he told them, Genesis chapter 2, he told them to eat herbs next up chapter 9 says now they can go on and eat animals but not eat them alive um, so maybe from this way animals to started eating animals um, at this point in time um, definitely I, I, I personally believe that before Genesis chapter 9 men were already eating animals because the world was perverted already I mean so many things were happening men were sleeping with men angels sons of God were sleeping with men so many nonsense everywhere was just yama yama so I believe that men would have been eating men animals already before then and animals have been eating themselves already to have even become a culture already by then um, I, I believe it's not in the scripture anyways um, then in Genesis chapter 9 we also read the story of Ham who made the mistake of exposing his father and that sent a message to me because um, we read it about Ham I, I don't think that the, the the, the, the mistake of Ham was seeing his father's nakedness, but the mistake was exposing his father's nakedness. Um, he could have covered his father rather than call his siblings. And I think a lot of us, a lot of believers are like Ham. I'm going to say this. Ah, I just remember that I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> I just remember that I'm doing podcasts, not preaching. I don't know, but please permit me. It looks like I'm just, you know, sharing the word, you know, just enjoying myself, sharing the word and. I forget that I'm talking to you guys, but I believe that there are a lot of harm believers. There are a lot of believers that are just like harm out there, and what they're doing is exposing their father, exposing the fathers of faith, exposing their fathers. Right exposure, wrong exposure, whatever exposure. Um, our fathers may be wrong. Our fathers in the faith may be wrong at a certain point in time. Our spiritual fathers may be wrong at a certain point in time. But it is not your bidding to expose them so somebody says ah this spiritual father did to so and so i will expose him to the world or this um pastor did to so and so i will expose him to the world and we saw a lot of that happen in 2020 and i, I think that the the best thing to do i, I think my pastor um, once said this also that what people should have done rather than say ah, i will expose him to i'll make sure he comes and all that is to report him to a higher authority I mean, his own spiritual father or other pastors, and let them undo these things rather than exposing the church. I personally feel that that's, that's what, what the harm syndrome is, and we have a lot of harm syndrome in the church. People who do not mind to expose their fathers. And I'm not saying this to make fathers or fathers in the faith or pastors or anything start living anyhow, but I'm just saying that. Um, when things happen, we are not we are not um, in a place of. I'm trying to be in the balance here because I'm not saying that a pastor does wrong and you just keep quiet about it. No, I'm saying there is a higher authority. There, there, there has to be a higher authority that can undo that matter. If there is no higher authority, then that pastor was definitely perhaps not a pastor all along because he has to have a spiritual father he has to have someone that will listen to him there has to be a higher authority somewhere and 
if there isn't, then of course um, seek counsel before you take a decision. But Ham's mistake here was exposing his father, and a lot of believers are like that. Things happen, people do wrong things. I mean, Noah wasn't right for drinking and becoming naked and, and open and everything. But Ham wasn't right for exposing his father. His job was to be a covering. And okay, maybe 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 because I'm looking at it from the example of the spiritual fathers or the fathers in the faith doing wrong. Let's look at it from the example of the fathers of the faith or your spiritual father, your pastor, not being um, sufficient enough. They might not have enough revelation, but you have to cover them. Um, and when I say cover, I don't mean life for them, but you have to be the covering. You have to be their defense. Do you understand? As long as you choose to be there. Also, um, there are certain things about them that is human. They are just as human as everybody. So you go to your, your father's, your spiritual father's house or pastor's house and you see, ah, this pastor does not even have money. Start exposing him. Or oh, this pastor, ah, his boxes is, is singlet, is this, is that. I start exposing him. That's the harm syndrome. And we need to kick the harm syndrome out. Your job is to cover and not to expose. Genesis chapter 10. Ta -ta 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 -ta. Ah, so. Cain's Genesis chapter ten tells us the the about about um, Ham's descendants, and I was surprised to see that Ham had amazing descendants, <laughs> because first of all you need to understand that God, um, Noah didn't cause cause all Ham's descendants; he just caused Canaan. But still, even from Canaan, great people came out, and from Cain, that's right, Cain's sin. Great people came out. I mean. I can say that even Cain's family or Cain's descendants were the inventors of civilizations. They were good in forgery and all those things. They knew how to how to make um, things, yeah? So it just shows that though the sin of the father is really grievous, it doesn't stop one from breaking out and being a difference. So regardless of the family you are, if they, ha if they like let them have generational cause or the wrongs that the father did or something, I don't... I see from scripture, not I don't think, I see from scripture and I believe strongly that it doesn't stop you from breaking out and it doesn't stop God from bringing out a star from that family. And I believe that with all of my heart. So, Genesis chapter 11. For Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to read Bible reading um, um, page. Um, we're using the U version Bible app for our Bible reading, and it's just amazing that people can have, can people, uh, people can share their opinions, their thoughts every day. So I'm going to read a couple of things that people have shared so far. Even okay, so I'll just do that for the Book of Job also, and then we'll wrap it off uh, um, for this podcast. I hope it has been exciting and interesting for you that you've got to learn again and all that. I promise you that next week. And more other podcasts will be more interesting than this one um, because the other people coming are not necessarily preachers. When you are a preacher, when you carry the word of God, the the anointing of preaching will come over you, you know. But other persons are not; they are not all pastors, and you no, know, they're just believers who love God and musicians, um, music artists, fashion designers. Some of them are pastors or pastors in the making. It's going to be interesting. So. Faith Femi shared something amazing about Genesis chapter 11 and I just wanted to read it exactly as she said. Now she said, permit me to tag Genesis 11 verse 1 to 9 as the unity that attracts God. The builders of the Tower of Babel were so united that the building was not destroyed by God even after he gave them different language to divide them. Hmm. So God didn't destroy it. 
that unity attracted divine inspection. When I read that one, I said, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> unity that attracts divine inspection. Wow. God really inspects the affairs of, affairs of man. Men, see verse 5. There it shows that God intentionally came down to inspect, examine, evaluate their work if their dealings were according to his way. Now, what struck me was he tagged it as the unity that attracts God. The unity that attracts God. Like, unity that attracts divine inspection. So it means that we can unitedly do something and God will have to come and see. God will have to say, come, let's go and see what those people are doing. So, it just struck me. If the body of Christ can come together as one, we would attract divine inspection. If believers can come together to achieve one purpose, would attract divine examination, divine inspection. God will say, come, let's go down and see what they are doing. Um, and importantly, she shared that God didn't destroy the tower. God didn't destroy the tower. And I don't know why he didn't destroy the tower, but scripture didn't record that God destroyed the tower. He just cut out the people. But that tower had to be left as a monument, at least for that period. I'm sure it was men themselves that destroyed it. Um, so, yeah, that, that was very interesting. And then some other people shared. Yeah, and then I also, I also took notice of something that I shared with them on the page, that people... Um, Abraham's father, that's back to Genesis now, that Abraham's father stood up to uh, um, take his family to Canaan. Abraham's father, who wasn't really a believer, took his family, like stood up and said he was taking his family to Canaan. And Canaan is the place that God, had, God later promises that he was taking Abraham to. So does that mean that God was using an unbeliever to kickstart a plan that he would later bring to motion? Definitely. And that shows us that there is nobody God cannot use. When you're praying that God help me, God can use an unbeliever to help you. God can use anybody. And that's the reason why we have to learn to honor all men. Alright, so another thing that I learned in the book of Genesis was also the fact that people were naming their children all sorts of names. But for Noah's, Noah's father, um, he was naming, you know, people were naming their children, actually, people were naming their children by the situation that is happening, like by what is happening presently. But for Noah, he was, Noah was named by what like the father named him by what he wanted to see and not by what he was seeing so for other people they were named oh child of my of my consolation oh child of birth oh another seed that came to replace the former one but noah his father named him as the hope that would come the, the one that would bring us hope that's what noah means the one that will bring us hope the one that will bring us newness and that was what noah did so sometimes i don't know for those who are not yet parents or you don't have children here you might want to consider naming view of what that child would do prophetic names not just beautiful names but prophetic names not of what is happening presently but of what that child will do and will be um jesuma you know you just name your child jesuma jesuma niagbaye jesuma lagbaye you know jesus will have the award or Akongi Jesu, just the musician of Jesus. Just enjoy, 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 enjoy. Enjoy naming your child, whatever you want to name your child. But that's one thing I I I saw from scripture, and that was very interesting. Alright, so um, time is. Really
I'll just give a summary of what happened in Job chapter 1 down to chapter 16, which we read. Um, but before I do that, there's a question about um, this, the, the sons of God going to appear before the throne of God and then Satan also went. And someone said, ah, why is Satan still going there? Firstly, I must say that this, the scripture says that the sons of God appeared before God and Satan went with them. It didn't say Satan was part of them. So Satan is smart. He found a way and went with them. <laughs> That's what I can say. And also, um, <clears throat> I, I, I heard another preacher mention that um, another reason why it's possible that Satan could have been there was the fact that he now had the access that Adam had. Because, of course, as at this time, Adam had transferred power and rule to Satan. So that gave Satan access. Makes some sense, but whichever way we knew that Satan was there. Um, so, yeah. Then Genesis, Genesis, Job chapter 2, I also learned something, and I want to instruct us, please pray that God will give you friends that can leave their comfort for your discomfort. Job's three friends left their comforts. If you read Job chapter 2, I think verse 11, it says that Job's three friends left their comfort because of Job's discomfort. And there is a power of three. Jesus had three. He had the 70s. He had the 120. He had the three. There is a power of three. I need to have, you need to have three friends. Three friends. It doesn't mean you have 12. You have other friends. But there is a power of three. There is this power of Father, Son and Spirit in that, that, that three has. <laughs> so just pray that God will give you friends that can leave their comfort with comfort. And pray that you can also be that kind of person. So we see that in Job chapter 2, Satan struck God. Satan struck Job with his boil, with boils, and Job's wife told him to curse God, but Job did not sin. Um, this one of that someone shared also about Job, uh, about this reading of Job that I also said I was going to read um, because I, I found it very interesting. There is a lot that I wanted to read. For more people had commented over the reading of the week, you know, but time wouldn't just permit us to share all these things alright so things that stood out for me this is from Olanike um, Olubayo and she says that time, things that stood out for me in the few chapters number one Job was a good man who loved and revered God but I feel like he failed to actually train his children in that path true very true because if he did um, he if he did, he wouldn't see the need to always offer sacrifices after their parties. Rather, he would trust that whatever decisions they make or whatever they do would definitely please God. We must train our children in God's way so we can have peace and rest of mind even when they are not around us. That's very insightful, Nikkei. Very insightful. Then, in, in, then she says, to number two, this is in chapter 3, verse 25, his, Job said his worst fears had come to pass. That means that Job had actually all along been nursing the fear of losing all that he had one day and that was why he was always offering sacrifices for atonement and all we must be careful and not allow fear in our hearts actually the devil thrives with fear when you have fear in your heart the devil just finds a way to build around your fear and that's the truth um, fear simply robs us of our joy and peace and most time except by God's grace our fears would always come to pass just like in Job's case and number three she says that as much as we enjoy good times as believers when the bad happens we must learn to turn to God regardless Wow, wow, wow. Very insightful, Nikkei. And um, very insightful. Many people shared a lot of insightful things that I cannot even read here because we've said a whole lot. Now, um, from Job chapter 1, verse 16, Job is not really a, a, a book of the Bible that I really enjoy so much because I just felt like they were just doing too many, too many 
too many, too many stories. Like talk your own, I talk my own, talk your own, I talk. <laughs> I'm not the talking, talking, talking person. So always too much talk. Man, see our batting you, you know, man. For those not in Nigeria, I just spoke Yoruba, and that means that when conversation is already getting too much, you understand? It's always uh, somehow to me because personally, for me, I'm not a too long conversation person but um but we we see a lot of sense in what they were saying and i think overview is that job was standing on the fact that he knows that he wasn't wrong and the other friends were saying guy god is just there is no how you must have done something to god but regardless of everything I, i think they were all wrong job was wrong to keep insisting that he was right and god was wrong and then the friends were keep were wrong to keep insisting that Job must have offended God because they made they, they were painting God they were painting God in such a bad state and that's where I think that they missed it. They were painting God as one kind of person that it was like a punisher. The way they painted God was what I think uh, was where I think they missed out. Although they were right in some places, telling God that he should just check himself again and of course they can't know if he was right or not. Um, but for me, what stood out in all their conversations, what me I was enjoying from all their conversations, I will not lie, is the way they were praising God. I feel like I should be writing the way they were. All those things they were saying, he's the one who can stretch out his hand and and and, and stretch it back in and carry the wind and put it in the sea. You know, all those ways they were praising God. Just feel like I just I should just write all those ways they were praising God because that, that was what stood out for me. That's what I enjoyed so far in reading the Book of Job. When I'm reading, that's what I'm looking out for. Like, ah, let me see another word that they will use to to describe God, you know, and that was what stood out for me in in reading the book of Job. Stood out for you. What did you enjoy so far reading your scripture from um, Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 11? And then before the story of Abraham begins, we we see a cut in scripture and then we go to the story of Job. So that means that that happened within the same frame of period. And then Job chapter 1 verse um, about 16 which we have read for week one of our Bible reading. What stood out for you? What did you learn? What did you learn from today's podcast? I would love to, I would love to hear your feedback and hear some of the things that struck you, what you enjoyed, what you learned from this feedback. And I really did, do hope that you listen to this till the end. You can reach out to me via mail at ezekiahtiam at gmail.com. Hezekiah is H-E-Z-E. K-I-A-H-T-I-A-M at gmail.com or on my social media Instagram particularly please don't do Facebook Instagram at the Ezekiah Tiam T-H-E as that's D T-H-E H-E-Z-E K-I-A-H T-I-A-M I-Y-U my IG handle is long ago Anyways, reach out to me. Share with me what you feel. If you have my contact on WhatsApp, yeah, share with me on WhatsApp. What do you learn? What did you learn? Did you enjoy the podcast? Did you pick anything? And I'm sure that you did pick something by fire by force. Pick something. <laughs> All right. So thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Next week Saturday would be another edition, episode two. Next week Saturday with myself and Olanike Ola. It's going to be an interesting conversation and I trust that you will learn again next week. God bless you. Please read your Bible every day, pray every day, and you will grow spiritually to the full maturity of God wants you to be. God bless you. I love you.